It's your girl Tamika and welcome to this week's episode of Can We Conversate? Um, so for this week, um, we're going to be talking politics. So as most of you know, which I hope most of you, I hope everybody knows, um, that this year is an election year. And um, I am what you might call a news and politics junkie. Um, I'm watching MSNBC um most of the day if not that i'm watching hgtv um i'm pretty sure my husband kind of wishes that i am um, i would watch more television and more shows but that's kind of the thing that um, i'm into the news and um, politics so i kind of consider myself um a well-rounded person kind of have a good handle on you know kind of what's going on out there in the world but i also know that everybody's not like me um, some people don't start paying attention to politics until maybe a few months before the election. And before I get too far into um, this week's episode, I want to kind of put it out there out front that I am a Democrat. Um, my views and my um, opinions on how I see things and um, my values line up more with the Democratic Party, but I'm also... I consider myself an open person. I'm willing to listen to the other side because sometimes there are a few, you know, moderate Republicans out there that every now and then say something. Now I'm like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. I, you know, I find myself uh, agreeing with it. So I'm not kind of stuck in my bubble, not able to kind of listen to the other side and kind of see what their perspective is. So to kind of give you an idea about how this episode is going to flow, you know, we're going to, this is going to flow in the aspect of me, you know, kind of tuning the horn of the Democratic Party. Um, so we're going to talk about Joe, President Biden. Um, I've seen a lot and heard a lot on social media um, of people talking about what has Joe and what President Biden and the Democratic Party, what have they done for us and what has he accomplished? And I am so glad that they asked because that's what we're going to talk about. So let's get right into it. So the first accomplishment on my list is the inf I mean the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, there were a lot of things that he uh, that was included in this act, but there's were two that stood out. Um, that kind of stood out to me. One of them was for the first time in history, Medicare is now able to negotiate the price for certain high type high price drugs, which I found that kind of peculiar as in why they wouldn't be able to negotiate you know drug prices with them being a government um what's the word i want to use a government program basically and you know you have to jump through all these hoops and stuff to prove to be able to get on medicare that you would think that they want to make sure that they're you know spending money the right way and they're not overspending so that they would be able to negotiate to make sure that they're getting the best deal for themselves even if they weren't trying to get the best deal for the public you know they you would think they would want to get the best deal for themselves um and the other thing that was interesting and that stood out to me for um this inflation um reduction act was the cap on insulin to 35 dollars a month for well 35 dollars for a month supply and this one kind of hits home for me because my mom is a diabetic. She's a type one diabetic. So she's insulin dependent and she has a pump and all of that stuff. So, um, insulin can be very expensive, um, 
for her, luckily we, you know, when things got kind of tight for, you know, I was able, me and my husband were able to kind of step in, you know, and assist her before this change has come around. So this one was really important to me. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about is the infrastructure bill, um, which I'm pretty sure if any of you kind of follow politics, it's always this somewhere during the first term of each president, they have what they call uh, infrastructure week. I know with the last term, with the last president, with President Trump, we had like several infrastructure weeks and nothing really was accomplished. Well, this president was able to get the infrastructure bill passed. And in that bill, they're, um, they're doing, like, like I stated about the Inflation Reduction Act, in the inf infrastructure bill, there were a lot of things that was included in that bill. I just kind of went through and picked out a couple things that I thought that was interesting or kind of key things that I thought were important. And that's kind of going to be what happens with a lot of these bills and acts that I talk about on this episode. But um, part of the infrastructure bill was the rebuilding roads, bridges, ports, roadways and airports and with this infrastructure bill it's creating a lot more jobs which we'll get into um what job creation and unemployment has looked like with this president and also part of the infrastructure bill they're providing more affordable high-speed internet for all americans and um some of you may know especially when COVID happened and we were all kind of at home and especially when the kids were at home having to do online virtual learning it was becoming an issue for a lot of rural areas and a lot of low-income homes where um, internet wasn't something that they had or that they could get reliable internet at their homes you know especially for um, people who lived in rural areas so now with the infrastructure bill it's making it more affordable and it's providing internet to more rural areas which is great because you know even though the kids aren't going virtual now you know everyone needs to be able to get on you know the internet to you know get information and you know listen to podcasts you know anything you know watch television because you know a lot of people are cutting the cords from cable so you need internet you know to be able to get your streaming services so there's a lot of value and a lot of uses that you know internet provides so i thought that was um pretty cool and Kind of going back to the job creation with the infrastructure bill, looking at job creation and the unemployment rate under this president, um, according to the last job report that came out in December, um, the unemployment rate was at 3.7%. I actually think it came down a little bit um, last I checked, but I know in December it was 3.5, um, excuse me, 3.7%. And then with job creations for the year of 2023, this economy created 2.7 million jobs in 2023. And the inflation um, rate is still kind of high, but there are signals that it's coming down. And, you know, when you see polls and you listen to people talk about politics and polls, um, there's a lot of concern out there with people about the economy, even though the numbers point to that the economy is getting better because they're talking about there's going to be several um, rate cuts to the interest rate this year, uh, which will make interest rate comes down for cars and houses for people to be able to purchase. All of that sounds good, but if you as an individual can't fill it at your house, in your household, when you go to the grocery store, when you go pump your gas, if your 401k doesn't look right, 
it doesn't matter what the numbers tell you if they're not tangible, if you don't feel those things tangibly. And I think that's something that this White House and this president needs to work on um, conveying to the people that, yeah, the numbers look good, but I don't feel good, you know, if that makes sense. They need to find a way to reach people who are concerned about the economy uh, and kind of relay how what they're doing is um, helping the average American out there. So the next thing is the Bipartisan um, Safer Communities Act. Um, this act was passed not long after the mass shooting at the elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. Um, this was like the first time in, gosh, I feel like it was, it's been some years. I don't want to say ever because I know there's been some type of gun control or, you know, some type of laws written, you know, facing gun control. But this bill, like I said, was bipartisan, and it was like the first one in a very long time that the um, Congress was able to get passed. So a couple things in this one that stood out. Um, so with for 18 to 21-year-olds, they have to go under a more enhanced background check to purchase a gun, which I'm not sure why they weren't able to um, – they weren't a they weren't being put through that in the first place um but that's you know neither here or there now it doesn't matter we got it into they got it in this bill and they also were able were able to narrow the boyfriend loophole and i really wasn't sure what that was until you know i kind of looked at um started doing research for this episode so the boyfriend loophole keeps guns out of the hands of convicted um dating partners which once again, I'm not sure why that hasn't always been a thing. Um, because why would you want somebody that's convicted of a crime to be able to purchase a gun? But like I said, that's a, cop a topic for another episode. And also um, in this bill, they did investments to um, address mental health, um, which just this past um, week, they announced $285 million dollars to go to schools to help them hire and train more than 14,000 mental health counselors. And then $6 million will go to community violence in interventions efforts at schools, which I think is really cool because our kids nowadays are facing um, more challenges than any generation before. The, the introduction of social media, and it's really, it's always been pressure you know, kids have always faced pressure. I think, you know, from the beginning of time, somebody's always trying to get you, pressure you to do something that you may not necessarily want to do or you know is right. That's kind of part of life. But I think with social media, it's 10 times worse. And the fact that they're trying to get people into the schools where kids are most of their days, you know, during this, you know, school year, to kind of help them combat the things that they're facing, not only at school, but, you know, things that they may be facing, you know, at home um, is a great thing. So then also um, something that was just recently announced is the summer grocery um, money. So this program will provide summer grocery money to 21 million children across 35 states. Um, it's eligible families will receive $40 per child during the summer. Um, totaling $120 per child, and the funds will be loaded on um, an EBT card. Um, there are also 15 states that have opted out of the program. Some of them, 
you won't be surprised by. Um, that's Alabama, Alaska, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, um, Louisiana, Mississippi, Nebraska, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Texas, Texas, um, Vermont, Wyoming, and Idaho. Um, some of the states have came out that's on this list. A few of the states on this list. I can't think of them right now, but there were a couple that stated the reason they were opting out of the program was because they already have something similar that they do in their state um, during the summertime for um, their kids. So they really didn't see the need to sign up for this program because they already have something in play for that. And then some of the... <sighs> Some of the reasons for opting out of the program by some of these states are just ridiculous. And I hope um, I'm going to have a link to all the articles that I use for my research for this episode um, in the comment section of the podcast. So you're able to kind of go back and read, you know, some got what, you know, read these articles and see where I got this information from to do, you know, some of your own research. But some of these states, some of the governors, it's just... It's just wild. It's just wild. So the next topic and the last one I think I'm going to hit on for this for this week's episode is the historical judicial appointments. So most everybody knows um, President Biden nominated um, the first black woman to the Supreme Court, Kentaji Brown. And he has um, of the other judge appointments that he's made, 67, 60, excuse me, 67 percent of those appointments are women and 65% um, are people of color. So he's done a great job of, of filling the bench with diversity. This last president we had, Trump, um, made it his mission and they did it, they accomplished it. With filling the bench with younger, more conservative judges, not just the Supreme Court, but you know, your appellate judges all the way down to you know your state judges the ones that he appoints you know that are not elected they did a very good job of getting judges that aligned with the thinking of how they think this country should be ran and then president biden comes around you know when he enters office and he tries to i don't want to say nullify it but tries to make the bench more diverse that actually looks like America, looks like the populace of the country, and not just a small, loud minority of the country. So um, I didn't touch on everything that this president has accomplished. Um, I didn't bring up his efforts to for student loan relief, climate change, or the things that he's done for veterans. I would challenge every person that listens to this podcast to kind of go back. Um, like I stated, I'm gonna list the links of the places where I got this research from, this information from, and kind of do your own research. Um, whatever your criticisms of President Biden and the Democratic Party, this administration, um, it's not fair or true when people say he hasn't accomplished anything um, because he's one of the most accomplished presidents in American history. And I understand some of the criticism that people throw his way and throw at, you know, throw in the face of the Democratic Party. And some of it, you know, I kind of agree with. Like one of the things that people use as a criticism is his age. 
everyone knew what his age was when we voted for him last term. But last time he was the best option that we had to defeat, defeat Donald Trump. And this time around, nobody else is throwing their hat in the ring. No one else within the party is publicly challenging him. So at this rate, this being January of 2024 and the election is in November, who else are they going to get to run in his place if he's not running? And you don't see the people on the other side complaining about Donald Trump's age because he's close to the same age, if not the same age, as Joe Biden. So what's the difference? Um, the next thing is they do a horrible job, horrible job of touting their accomplishments. They don't toot their own horn. They do a horrible job of getting out in front of the American people saying, hey, the reason you got that great health care is because of me. The reason you have that, you know, high speed internet now in rural areas is because of me. The reason your insulin is $35 a month is because of me. They do a horrible job of doing that, but also they don't do a good job. Not only do they not do a good job, rather, of tooting their own horn, they don't do a good job of giving people tangible ways of how the things that they have accomplished are affecting their lives. Um, they also do a horrible job with their social media presence. There are a lot of influential people on Instagram and TikTok in particular who support this president and support this administration who have a very large following. They need to find a way, and not just this president, but the Democratic Party in whole, in a, you know, as a whole, needs to find a way in tapping into these voices that are able to reach people and who support them to get out the message, not only the message to vote, but also the message of what this president has done for them and to combat some of this misinformation that has been thrown out there and put out there to just float and grow like a fungus. They need to find a way to combat that and they don't do a good job of using the tools and the people that are readily available to them because they may not look and sound like what they feel a political pundit or a political operative should look like. In this day, day and age, you can't worry about what it looks like. What you need to worry about is the message and it's the message getting out there to the right people. Um, and like I said, don't take just my word for it. Don't take just the word of anybody, be it your another podcaster that you listen to or the radio show that you may listen to or the news show that you may watch. Don't just take our word for it. Go out there and do the research for yourself. Pull up Google and Google Joe Biden's accomplishments. Go out and Google if you want to compare him to what Donald Trump did. Go Google Donald Trump's accomplishments. And then better yet, while you're Googling Joe Biden's accomplishments and listening to what he's saying, also listen to what the other side is saying. Are they giving you things that how they're going to improve your lives? Are they giving you are they saying what, you know, if they get a term, if they become president, what they're going to do to make your life better? We as voters, we have to be informed voters. We can't vote with our emotions. And what do I mean when I say vote with our emotions? We 
as a people, as Americans, sometimes get caught up with the personality and, you know, the the way that person speaks and the way that person addresses things. We get caught up in that and we don't listen to what they say and we don't pay attention to the things that they say and how they're going to bet how they're going to improve our lives. Voting is a transaction. We vote for you because you said that you can do this for me. And so you said, let me put it this way. Like I said, voting is a transaction. So I go and I say, this is what I want you to do. I want you to give me A, B, C, and D. And they say, I can give you A, B, C, and D. Okay, if you can give me A, B, C, and D, I'm going to vote for you. And when they get into office and they're there for their four years, two years, whatever, whoever you're voting for and whatever their term is, if it's time for them to be reelected and you go through and you see, look at what they have accomplished. And if they haven't done A, B, C, and D and said the things, done the things that they said they were going to do. Now, it's one thing for them to try to do it and people get in the way and block it. But there's another thing of them not even attempting to do the things that they promised and that they said they were going to do. And if you get to that term and it's time for you to decide if you're going to vote for them in a primary, especially in a primary, if somebody's running against them, and it's time for you to decide if you want to keep this person in office or you want to put your support behind this person, if they haven't done those things, it's time for them to go. Because this is a transaction. We send you to Washington to the state house, to the city hall, whatever you're voting on, we send you there to do a job. And if you can't do the job, you can be replaced. And that's how we have to look at voting when we go into these voting polls. Yes, that person you're voting for, they may have a great personality. They're probably, hopefully you're voting for somebody that's a good person. But this is a transaction. I don't have to like you personally. I'm sending you to do a job. Just like if you work on anybody, if you go to anybody's job, your supervisor or the CEO of that company expects you to do your job. If you don't do your job, you're going to get fired and they're going to find somebody to replace you. These are how we, this is how we have to look at voting. And that's why I really hope we as Americans become more more informed and more balanced in how we vote and how we approach things. Cause so many times you see people vote for these candidates and the candidates care nothing about them. They, they don't vote their self interest. They vote for people because of their personalities and knowing these people are not going to do anything that's going to better their lives. Nothing. Cause they get caught up in the personality and what this person's saying, and because I don't like the liberals, I'm going to vote for him so he can he can make the liberals look bad. Bump a liberal, bump a conservative. You want to get somebody in office that's going to better your life, that's going to make sure that you better this country and that there's a future for your children. And we're not racking up a whole lot of debt. And we're not leaving this world and this country in a worse situation than we, than we got it. And that's how we have to look at things. So that's it for this week's episode. Um, I hope I brought some things to your attention that maybe you didn't know about. Um, I hope I made you think. 
Um, I hope this causes you to, you know, strike up a conversation. And like I said earlier, the links are going to be in the podcast show for everything that I use for my research. And I really hope and challenge everyone that listens to this episode to do some research and become an informed, you know, voter. Like, you know, like always hit us up on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, you can shoot us an email at um, info at canweconversate.com. Love to hear from you. Love to get your feedback. If you have any ideas um, or topics that you, you know, want me to discuss um, on upcoming episodes, please don't hesitate um, to, you know, shoot us those ideas and those comments. We love to hear from you. The good, the bad, and, bad and the ugly. Our criticism, in my opinion, um, is good criticism, a way to grow. Um, So in closing, you know, remember to be an informed voter and not an emotional one. Until next week, can we conversate?